0: Listening to the Post Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 62 covering Arsenal of Freedom and Symbiosis. Hello, friends, we're back. We are back. Remember how excited we were last week? Because things weren't as bad as we thought they would be. Well, now we're back to normal.
1: Yeah, we had a, it was pretty nice last week when this didn't suck. Hey,
0: to be fair, I would say these are middle of the pack season one episodes, which puts them below the curve overall, but.
1: They're these, just so generic. Uh,
0: well, we got two different, like, mine's just kind of dumb, and yours yep. is at least, you know, stupid and heavy handed. So we got different kinds of bad.
1: Oh, well, it's got that going
0: for it then. That's a plus. Listen, as commentators, as, as people who have signed up to, uh, to to summarize and to comment on these things, it's important that we don't just have the same thing week after week, so.
1: That is true, you got me there.
0: At least they're differently bad. Mm-hmm. So, why don't we do mine first, uh, seeing as it it's the one that comes first. The well, ho- is that how
1: we're doing things this week? <laughs> I
0: guess I just keep changing things on a moment's notice. I'm just, I'm crazy <laughs> unpredictable like that. Uh, why don't we go with the hilariously titled, Soul of Freedom. Uh... Or Arsenal, I suppose, if you insist. Yeah, whatever. right. Uh, So Starfleet orders the Enterprise to go solve a mystery at some planet, because apparently that's what the Enterprise is for. There they discover the remains of a civilization that thrived during the incredibly famous Ursul Rope Wars. You know, that famous event in Star Trek history. They're greeted with a hologram of Vincent Schiavelli and spend the next 20 minutes trying to remember where they've seen that guy before. He's just so familiar! What have I seen him in? Eventually, Riker takes Tasha and Data down to the fakest-looking planet in Star Trek history, and I'm including the Vol planet from the original series in that assessment. Seriously, it's like ten potted plants in a fog machine. You'd think Vincent Schiavelli could afford better, what with the residuals from all those hundreds of movies he appeared in. The away team is greeted by a substandard copy of Booster Gold's robot pal Skeets, who encases Riker in some sort of energy egg. With Commander Bill unable to tell him he can't go on an away mission, Picard beams down with Beverly for some reason, and they immediately fall into a hole. Yeah, Captain, this is exactly why Riker tells you to stay up there. He knows all about your tendency to fall into holes at the drop of a hat. Any hat. So Data disarms the Riker encasing egg by shooting at it. Then a second Skeets shows up and Tasha gets annoyed because it won't stay still long enough for her to phaser it to death. Meanwhile in the Enterprise, Geordi fights some orbital defenses and he does an awesome job of it, despite the protestations of yet another chief engineer and some supportive but inconveniently timed praise from Counselor Troi. Jordy decides to separate the saucer section, ostensibly to get the civilians to safety, but really because everyone keeps forgetting the Enterprise can even do that, and he thinks it's a pretty cool thing. Seriously, they'll only ever even use this function once more for the remainder of the series, and that's against the Borg. Anyway, Picard deactivates the Vincent Schiavelli program by agreeing to buy the entire range of Skeet's based defense systems. The joke's on them, of course, because Picard's just gonna leave and not buy anything. No wonder the Ferengi hate this guy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh really really anticlimactic ending to this one
0: well yeah uh beverly at one point says well turn it off and i'm like i my, my immediate thought was well that's obvious it must be more complicated than that no just no, need to turn so it off
1: and they just agree to buy whatever vincent's giving yeah. is selling vincent giavelli he's he's
0: henchman number two in every movie from 1975 to like 1995 Mm. You've seen him in so many things. He's a guy. Whenever I catch a quick glimpse of him, I say, "Hey, that's Stephen Wright." And then, no, he's uglier than Stephen Wright, and that's saying something. Um. So my I good think I'm
1: thing. I Remembering him from Buckaroo, Buckro Banzai. He probably
0: was in Buckaroo Banzai. He's seriously. He's like the henchman in just about everything. A lot of horror movies. A lot of sci-fi movies. A lot of post-apocalypse movies. He's got a really good look. All of those. Yeah, he's got a really good look for post-apocalypse. Like he dressed him in some rags. And he looks like belt. shit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, so my good thing for this episode, um, while hardly a candidate for best episode of the season, there was some good action. Things kept moving, I wasn't bored, and pretty much everything everyone got something to do. Also nice to see the saucer separating again, which is honestly something I quite like. If you're going to persist in having civilians on the ship, at least this is a mechanism by which you can send them to safety when necessary. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, I'm you know.
1: always surprised they don't separate it more often because it's just using the same f- stock footage they've had since the first episode.
0: Yeah, and I was pleased that they they cut through like they didn't do the same 20 minute sequence they did in the pilot. Yeah, they used well, highlights. Then they didn't so have you... to fill two hours. Yeah, so. but I mean, they used highlights so you knew what was going on. Mm-hmm. But then they just got to it, which is good. No, it's like, I... come
1: on, we're fucking busy. Get out there.
0: I mean, the whole point is, you know, if you're going to carry families. Mm-hmm. to be able to send them away when when the shit gets tough.
1: Yeah, fucking go find somewhere to shove them.
0: Yep, and they really once more, and that's it. And that that's a weird yep. trick that they come up with that doesn't even work. Yep. Or it does. I don't remember. We'll get there. It doesn't another. matter. Yeah. Uh and my bad thing, that planet, Jesus.
1: It I was... think it was a great planet. A great shitty-looking planet. Oh man.
0: Seriously, like five potted plants and a fog machine. Just terrible. They...
1: They do an amazing job of making it look by making it look like the the characters are all standing in front of a green screen when all they're actually doing is standing on a sound stage. It's incredible.
0: Yes. And the thing is they've you know I, I won't say that the planets always look great, a lot of times they don't, but they they do a decent job of on various sound stages trying their best. Yep. Doing some tricks with lighting and and, and clever camera angles. And this time it would just did not work
1: at all. <laughs> the vacant lot planet. Oh, man.
0: Of the vacant lot planet. Sc-
1: now we'll just move this fern out of the way and go look at the shrink ray from Honey I Shrunk the Kids.
0: <laughs> hey, I thought that stuff looked pretty cool, actually. Mm. Anyway, uh, this it would have been Honey I Shrunk the Kids would have stolen it from this. This came first.
1: Well, yes. So
0: you got to watch that crafty thrick, uh, Rick Moranis. <laughs> He's
1: steal always anything. stealing crap.
0: Yep, exactly. Uh, so what about you?
1: Uh, my good thing was, uh, I thought this was a pretty good Jordy episode. Yeah, I like him in charge, and I liked him uh, talking down the chief engineer, Logan, who comes up and is all like, Well, I sh- if the captain knew he was going to get kidnapped, he would put me in charge.
0: If the captain knew he was going like, to be kidnapped, he wouldn't have gone down to the planet in the first place. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now it was. Uh, we haven't seen much of Jordy yet, and I like him, and I like being justified in liking him now.
0: Well, yeah, because my initial question was wait a minute. He's only a lieutenant, there's plenty of guys in between. Like,. Like, at at Data's level, you know, guys like lieutenant commanders.
1: Yeah, that, and that they address that. They have yeah, one of them come up do. and be all like, I should be in charge. I'm the chief engineer. Yeah, I'm next in line, like,
0: rank-wise. He's like, yeah, but you have a job to do.
1: Jordan's like, yeah, but you're not going to be chief engineer for much longer.
0: Yep. And then he's like, okay, fine, you can be in charge of the saucer section. Wow.
1: It's so wonderful. There's a great moment he's all like, yeah, I'm putting you in charge. And it's, he, he gets this smile on his face like, Yes. Any of the, uh, the saucer section. Oh. Yep. You get to go
0: take the mommies and the kids away while I go fight.
1: <laughs> oh man. Oh, <Aww. laughs> I wanted to go to Tashi station and pick up some power converters. <laughs> yeah,
0: well too fucking bad. <laughs> go repair those droids in the South Range by midday or they'll be hell to pay. Um There's
1: he a there, waste time it, with his friend with his chores. Are done. Yes.
0: I, I, you get the impression that uh, Worf is very pleased that when Jordy's in charge because he actually gets to shoot stuff.
1: Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And then he's he's all upset. He like bangs his fist on the. We missed. No, Worf, you missed. No. You missed. You suck. Get better. <laughs> oh. Like there's no there's nobody to get mad at here but yourself. You were in charge of shooting and you missed.
1: Way to not kill skeets, loser.
0: Yeah. All those skeets. Uh, what about your bad thing?
1: Uh, Yeah, this one was boring. With no, with no terribly unique threat. And in the end, they basically asked the robots to stop killing them.
0: I didn't find it as boring as you did. I
1: I found it super boring.
0: We've been in so many episodes where it's like two people in a room saying, yes, no, yes, no, for an hour. And at least mm-hmm. things kept moving here. Like, I, there was a plot that went from point A to point B to point C, and I didn't find it that boring.
1: It took me a while to realize, and it's like, oh wait, is this the one where Picard and Beverly fall in a hole? Yes, there they go. That was oh, ridiculous. Man.
0: That did set up a, a, you know, a fun observation for me, which is this is exactly why you're not allowed to go on away missions, Picard.
1: As soon as you go down to the planet, you fall in a hole.
0: Why do you keep Almost falling into immediately. holes? Immediately. Even on the holeless planets, somehow you manage to find a hole. You dig one, and then you fall in it.
1: Number one, send down some people to dig me a hole. I'm going to explore the planet. Oh, come on, Captain! I told
0: you to stay up here. I, it it really seems obvious. It seems obvious in the early parts of this episode where Picard's on the bridge and he's sort of leaning forward in his chair and he's like, keep the channel open. I want to hear everything. It's pretty clear that they want to get him into the action and they haven't figured out a way to do that yet.
1: He was very clearly bored at the beginning of this episode, just like, I want down.
0: Yeah, but they've done that a few times now.
1: I want to go for walkies.
0: <laughs> it seems like, uh, seems like all the guys, you know, all the writers are like, wait a minute. I thought I was writing Star Trek. Why is the captain up here?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Star Trek is about the captain going and doing what he wants with his friends, right?
1: Right? That's, that's what I grew up watching. Yeah. And nope, eventually they'll,
0: sorry. eventually they'll find a way to get Picard more involved, which is good. Cause right now it just feels kind of like he's in charge, but he's sort of like only technically in charge that Riker's actually running the show. Yeah. And that's now good.
1: So then we drop him in a hole.
0: Yeah. A lot of...
1: <laughs> <laughs> and bury Beverly up to her chest in uh, cat in cat litter.
0: <laughs> and then there, there's a, there's not a bad... Like, this is, this is one of those, you know, Picard and Beverly have sort of tender moments together and sort of planting the seeds for that relationship that doesn't go anywhere. But um, I didn't mind it here. Like, I, I'm not a huge fan of those two hooking up, only because I don't think it's necessary to hook up every character with every other character. Sure. But I, there were some nice moments where he's trying to be nice and he's trying to have good bedside manner and trying to keep her, like, she clearly has a concussion and she can't pass out. And he's trying yeah. to keep her engaged in conversation and, then, you know, some decent character stuff going on
1: there. Yeah, but then there's that part where where she's all like, where he's all like, there's a lot of things I don't know about you, Beverly. And she goes, more than you know, Captain. Like, she's about to tell <laughs> tell him her pop secret. And it's just like, it, it just feels like it's wasted because they never get around to it.
0: No, and they never get around to it throughout the, like, there, there's one episode in, like, season six or seven where they can read each other's minds. And, and and that's as far as they take it. And she's like, oh, I never knew you had a crush on me. And then that's as far as it goes. Yep. They have to hook up brains to figure out, oh, you like me. Teehee. And then still
1: nothing. Yep. Well,
0: All right, moving then. on. Yep. So anyway. So, but no, I, you know, I mean, it was dumb. And looking at your notes, your very first note says... Oh, they built weapons, and the weapons probably wiped them out. Yep. <laughs> and you, you called it. And that's, you know, that was the thing. This was very predictable and by the numbers and just kind of not great. But I don't know. I just didn't find it awful. I found it, I would say, average. Like, this is, the, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, this is a solid
1: 5. I wouldn't even go with a 5. I'd go with, like, a 3.
0: Yeah. Now the next one's a
1: 3. Mm, that is true.
0: The thing is, there, there's there's a curve here. The the reason this is average is because there's so much bad. Like, this isn't old man smacking his lips in the dark. Ah. Therefore, the whole curve gets dragged down, and this is a five. Mm -hmm. This should only be like a three, you're right. right. But, But in the overall average of things...
1: All right, fair enough.
0: This is totally... And definitely for season one, this is definitely the middle of the pack episode, I would say. Yes. There was some good character stuff. Well, that's it. There was some good character stuff. Some good Geordi stuff, some good Picard-Beverly stuff. Um, the My quote is actually a really funny line.
1: Yes, it was. <laughs> Delivered by uh, someone with severe Edward James almost face.
0: Oh, God. Yeah, there's a bit, and, and we'll get to this when we actually get to my quote. I don't know, is there anything more? We could probably just jump to that now. unless We'll probably just do go
1: to the quote now, yeah.
0: Very well. There's a, there's a bit where they first beam down, and uh, Riker sees... Uh, they're looking for an old ship that disappeared. The, um, what was it? The so. hood? No, it's not the hood. It was the Drake. The Drake, right, Drake's cakes. And um and and Riker's uh Riker was offered the Drake once. That was another thing. I like them setting up that whole runner, yeah. which is Riker keeps being offered ships and he keeps not taking them. I, I think he I wants... had
1: assumed that like like he didn't get offered a ship until he'd served on the Enterprise for a while and apparently no.
0: No, because he was someone else's first officer before he came to the Enterprise. I mm-hmm. assume he was offered a captaincy and said no. I'll stay at this level because I want to be on the enterprise. Yep. I'd like that as part of uh, as part of Riker's whole psyche. I think I don't think they intended to write it like this, but the, my interpretation is he's got daddy issues. Yep. And until he can prove to himself that he's better than Picard, he's not allowed to be in charge of something,
1: which unfortunately is going to take about 10 years.
0: Yeah, exactly. And for no, movies. He, I think he just finally gave up. Like I think he finally uh he married his shrink. Yep she convinced him to just move on and he did Yep. Uh, but anyway there's a a bit where he beams down and he sees what he thinks is the captain of the Drake and it's not and they figure out that it's just a hologram and here's here's how Riker deals with that Riker you didn't answer me who sent you here to look for your mother she's worried about you tell me about your ship Riker it's the Enterprise isn't it no, the name of my ship is the Lollipop. I have no knowledge of that ship. It's just been commissioned. It's a good ship, which I think is hilarious. That's when I when I look at the episode title, I was like, "Oh, it's the Lollipop episode." I like this one, and I don't actually like it, but you know, I
1: like I like the idea that as disdainful as they are about uh, 20th century man, apparently Shirley Temple movies have made it all the way to the 23rd century. <laughs>
0: Well, very odd things have survived, and, mm-hmm. and that's one of them. Joe Piscopo's we'll see in an upcoming Season 2 episode. Yep. <laughs> and Shirley Temple. <laughs> that's the important thing. And whatever horrible show tunes they sing in uh, Insurrection, but that's much later. Ugh. All right. Um, so moving on to your episode, which I, uh, what is it, symbi... <sighs> yes,
1: yeah, symb- symbiosis. All right. Okay, so the Enterprise is observing a star that's going nova or turning blue or some damn thing, when they come across a freighter that's about to be destroyed. Call the ship and we are introduced to T'jon, an Anarian who is actually kind of a dope from the sound of it. Questions like, can your ship handle an energy blast of the third variety, are answered with statements like, I don't know. It's like whenever someone asks me anything about my car or computer. Anyway, the Enterprise beams over to the crew, but not before receiving their precious cargo, which is apparently so important that the Anarians are willing to risk, the, to risk their lives to make sure that it's safe. Enterprise just barely receives the crew, to John and his buddy, and two smug aliens called Brekkians from the breakfast planet. Ugh. The Anarians and the Brekkians immediately begin arguing over their precious hardware again. Brekkians reveal that 200 years ago, a plague struck Anara. The Breckians provided a cure for it, but it needs to be taken daily by the, Inari, by the Inarians basically forever. So the Inarians pay handsomely for it, and the Brekkians do nothing but manufacture the stuff. Because why on earth would they have to do anything else? <clears throat> I mean, they're basically set for life. Beverly observes that the Inari- Inarians getting their fix of me- observes the Inarians getting their fix of medicine, and realizes that that's exactly what it is. Brekkians have gotten the Inarians addicted to their vaccine, have been running a long con on them for years. Smugness with the smugness with which they do this actually makes me really hate them as villains. Unfortunately, due to the prime directive, Picard can't actually do anything to help, so he refuses to provide the Inarians with the vital engine part they need for trans- transporting the vaccine from Breccia, because nobody on either planet knows how to do anything. Mm-hmm. Enterprise beats Cheeks, Kirk style, leaving the Inarians to severe, to severe withdrawal sy- symptoms, and the Brecchians to total economic collapse. Something I'd feel way worse about if they weren't such total assholes.
0: Yeah, this was super, super heavy-handed, but I do like, even in not-great a in, in not great episodes, I do like when the captain comes up with some badass way to deal with jerks, and yeah, this was one of those. Yeah, like,
1: the whole episode is based around, we we know these guys are addicted to this stuff, and we can cure them easy, but we can't cure them because it's good, because, like, it's not our fucking business. They're not a Federation planet. Right. But what we can do is not let them ferry it back and forth in the three ships they own.
0: Well, the thing is, I mean, d- really, d- it comes down to, that's that's the one bit of clever writing in this, is, hey, <laughs> we can't interfere at all. Helping you, you know, helping fix your ship is interfering just like uh, breaking your drug addiction. So, uh, bye.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm so like, sorry. I,
0: I like that. I like when the captain has a situation where he's like, uh, not my problem, so long. <laughs> Eat it, suckers. Yeah, I also like the um, cards.
1: Like, oh god, let's just go. Yeah, well, there's
0: a you know, and I I think your your quote focuses on some of the more hilarious exchanges there. Mm-hmm. But the whole first part where they're talking to them over the con and just like, oh, can I talk to a grown up? Like, <laughs> Patrick Stewart gives some great like looking at Riker, like, are these guys so, fucking serious? Like, he
1: literally at one point says something along the the lines of, "Are these guys for real? Yeah, really? It's
0: pretty, it's pretty great. Really." Um, What's strange is you, you watched this the first time, and and you, people looked very familiar to you. Yes. Um. It turns out that uh, two of the primary characters from, well, I would say secondary characters from uh, Wrath of Khan were in this. Yep. Um, Khan's right hand man Joaquin and uh, uh, David, who <laughs> is hard to recognize without a sweater tied around his neck. Yeah,
1: I didn't. I didn't uh, realize him for the uh, for his douchebagness.
0: And then and then Joaquin, who you didn't recognize because he was wearing a shirt at all. Yep. But uh, yeah, it was so it was it was weird, sort of a Wrath of Khan rematch. Mm. And, of and of course, I,
1: and of course, I was also distracted by David's buddy's overalls.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, David, you know the, the whatever his real name is in the in the story, uh, Merritt Buttrick is the actor. Mm-hmm.
1: Buttrick the Merrick. <laughs>
0: Let me show you a butt trick. <laughs> um, but no, they're playing like okay. Say you have like two sixteen-year-olds in community theater who have seen drug addiction on TV, but never really known what it is. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to play drug addicted in a very broad, uninformed way. That's what they were like the whole episode. Yep. Shaking and sort Sweaty of... Sweaty and ...spaced out, themselves. like, whoa, man. Just terrible
1: Listen, caricatures Captain, of stoners. Have you ever, like, really looked at your hands? Like,
0: they call them fingers, but they don't thing.
1: Yes, <sighs> they do. They're doing it right now.
0: Shut up. I don't want to
1: talk to you anymore. Yeah. And then, but then
0: on the other side, you get the super smug, like, well, yeah, we're not going to give them drugs free. We, we made these and they're going to fucking pay for them. So, yeah. yeah.
1: They're dying. Yeah. Well, they better find the money then.
0: It it feels like a very thinly veiled, uh, criticism against socialized medicine, like, mm. um, or possibly for it. I don't yeah. know. Just, you know, well, I guess they're sick. That's too bad. This stuff costs money to make. We can't just give it to them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's. I don't know. It felt like I'd heard this debate recently in this country, and so I have.
1: Yep. Once again, track is ahead of its time. Sort of. Kind of.
0: Telling you the drugs are. uh, Such a broad, just drugs are. Drugs are bad. Yep. Although that said, I think they did explore from various sides pretty well. There's that discussion with fucking Wesley.
1: Ugh, yeah. It's my bad. That really
0: naive, you know. And, and to the writer's credit, this isn't, this isn't Wesley's fault. This is writing a naive teenager very well. Cause he truly doesn't understand the point of drugs. And I think we've all known kids like that.
1: Yep. Why would you do them then?
0: Yes. What's the point of doing drugs if they're bad for you? Like that wasn't badly written dialogue. That was accurate dialogue that was just irritating because that's what that character would be like.
1: Yep but then
0: but that and again to their credit they had tasha say well when your situation's fucked up like mine sometimes drugs make it a little better listen
1: when you're living in the rape camps and to her credit she didn't say rape camp no i appreciate that
0: no that that whole scene actually like while it was annoying i understood where they were coming from and it was true to the characters at least Mm -hmm. And, and she didn't say rape camp she's just like no dude listen I grew up in a really fucked up situation and drugs just made that a little better. And and honestly, that wasn't, that was the one moment where it wasn't completely heavy-handed Gene Roddenberry moralizing. Yep. Where it was like somebody actually spoke up and said, no, drugs do make you feel good for a while. Because usually they don't even, they wouldn't even do that. They just say, nope, drugs are bad. Drugs are bad. And, <laughs> Listen, yeah. Wesley,
1: only losers do drugs. Yes. And also tobacco is wacko.
0: And also, Synth Hall is the only hall. Yes, we need to work on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was and it just, uh so terrible. The only, so
1: the only one hundred percent sure birth birth control is abstinence, Wesley. Wesley, not that that applies to you.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're covered here. Uh, we haven't actually done our good thing, bad thing. yet. No, that's so true. To...
1: Okay, uh, my good thing is uh, I guess I like the plot of this one. Okay. It was very sort of traditional Star Trek, but, and I hated the Breckians so much that it's, like, I had to make a note of it. They're just such assholes.
0: Okay, now, did you hate them because they were well-constructed villains, or did you hate them because they were bad, like, badly constructed villains? You know what I mean? Like, did you love to hate them, or did you just hate them because they sucked?
1: No, I just really enjoyed hating them. They were just...
0: Yeah, that's the sign of a good villain. It's like when we get to Deep Space Nine and you just can't stand Kai Win.
1: Yeah. It should, I hate her, but
0: that's because she's written so well. She,
1: like I, don't, these guys definitely aren't written well, but I guess they're acting well because you just want to hit them.
0: No, it might be it might be like good plotting and just bad, you know, like dialogue and stuff wasn't good, but the the idea, like you say, there's something there.
1: It's just there's just lines, lines like, well, you know, you overestimated them again. They're just so simple. Yeah. And you just like, ooh, you and your shiny shirt! I hate you! I mean, the
0: the acting was pretty good, but the casting was great. These two just look smug. Yeah. These two just look like, yep. yeah, we're gonna let people die. We're doing yeah, it I'm for on, the money.
1: I, all for the money. Now I'm looking at the, uh, the screen, uh, sh- like the, uh, the menu screen for this episode mm. of DVD. And it's just a shot of the two of them just looking extremely pleased with themselves. And even now I'm shaking my fist at the TV. (laughs) Well, see, that's good because, honestly, like, Next Gen
0: really had a a, a shortage of great villains. Like, you had Q, you had uh, uh, Tomalok. Yep. And you had that that Cardassian that that tortures Picard, and that's about all I can think of off the top of my head. Like, I'm sure... I'm sure people are going to speak, oh, what about this guy? Yeah, fine. 178 episodes. I'm sure there were two or three others. But when you think memorable villains in Star Trek, there's not actually a ton of them.
1: No, not really. Not in TNG, anyway. So,
0: really, in the the original series, either you had Khan, you had the the Klingons, and what else. Like I was thinking about this the other day. In the movies, most of the villains are like probes. Or (laughs) misunderstood computers. Or racism. (laughs) 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 and next gen's the same way that's just a star trek thing for the most part you don't have any like apart from q you don't have any good solid recurring villains and most episodes they're kind of forgettable so when you come across an episode where there's villains that you just can't stand that's actually a good thing yep and your bad thing
1: oh yeah right okay so this episode gets way too preachy we talked about this there's this extended sequence in the middle where tasha tells wesley why drugs are bad and Wesley squirms in his seat and tries to keep his boner under control, and I'm completely reminded of that stupid ABC cartoon All-Stars thing that I watched when I was a kid.
0: Well, yes, not great. But again, hey. I think they were written in character. Like, I think that yeah. scene stayed true to the characters. I just, it was still an annoying conversation. Like, if if you knew two people and you sort of eavesdropped on this conversation, you'd just kind of roll your eyes and keep walking.
1: Yeah. But I, I well, almost think... feels like data's doing it in the middle of the
0: Yes, exactly. Oh, goddamn humans.
1: Back on my planet I used to get wicked high.
0: <clears throat> uh so my good thing was, you know, this actually was a decent like we've been complaining that Beverly doesn't get much to do. Like she's mostly the mom and when she's a doctor she kinda fails. Uh in mm-hmm. this one she actually stepped up and she was good and she you know, like this this episode of the Enterprise crew focused more on her than on anyone else. Yeah. And I think that was pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, my bad thing is related to that. Uh, Gates McFadden didn't entirely live up to the challenge. She had a couple of really indignant speeches where she was like, We can't just let these
1: people die!
0: And just like, oh, this lady. Is like, oh. Go back to soap operas.
1: Maybe you should try tap dancing a little more. <laughs> I think
0: she goes back to Starfleet uh, Medical for a year to learn how to act because I don't remember her being this bad in <laughs> season three and on.
1: Ah, zing. Well, seriously, she just... No, I believe you. The rest
0: of this cast is is a higher caliber when they're expected to emote. They live up to it, and she just is a little too melodramatic. I can't do it, Jean-Luc!
1: I just can't let them...
0: And she gets so, like, I don't know, like she insists that the captain do something, and just, Uh, like, stop it! Settle down! He's the captain. Let him fucking do his goddamn job.
1: All down there, babies.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Um, <laughs> there was that bit at the beginning where the, the sun's about to go over or turn blue like you said or whatever. I <laughs> like that. Um, and they activate this this thing where the view screen puts a black dot over the sun. Oh, yeah,
1: I love that.
0: <laughs> now, in, in, the, in, in the movie, the 2009 movie, um, Abrams just had them polarize the view screen, which would have been a cheap effect. You just basically put, like, a... Uh, uh, what do you call it?
1: I um, like a filter a tint, thing, or a tint. There you go over
0: the over the monitor, and that would be easy—just a piece of smoked glass over the image, and you know, no big deal. Like I understand cost cutting, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that black dot ain't cutting it. Yeah. Plus, surely the view screen looks at stars from time to time. You must have better technology than
1: well. Than I mean, dot. there's one in the opening credits, so clearly they look at them at least once a week.
0: Well, yeah, because they reenact that scene for us every week,
1: right? that's something
0: well, the opening credits, you know, take place in the in, in Earth's solar system. Like, we watched the various planets go by. So they have to go all the way back home every week just for us? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? That's right. Okay, then.
1: That is exactly what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> Very well. Um, am trying to think of what else.
1: There was one other thing. I don't know. Oh, oh they
0: had force lightning. Oh. We haven't talked about that.
1: They <laughs> did have force lightning. We
0: forget it because it came up twice in the episode, and it really should have been way more of a big deal. They could shoot lightning at whoever they wanted, <laughs> but it barely came up at all.
1: Yeah, Tasha and uh, uh, Bill's are talking about it in the, in the in the hallway, but like it's a big deal or something. It only ever comes and up then, once. Well, then they
0: they zap <laughs> they zap Riker near the end, and he makes this great ooh face. <laughs> I, then Frakes has to hold this face for I don't know a good minute and a half, Ooh, which doesn't sound like yep. a lot, but <laughs> when you gotta look at this face Trust for just a minute and a half, it is forever. Ooh. It's hilarious. I, I can't decide because there's like really great Riker with his leg up moment in, in my episode. I haven't decided yet which which I'll use for the cover art. You'll obviously know by the time this episode comes out. But but there's yes. there's dueling ridiculous Rikers this week. And I haven't decided which one I'm going to use yet. Uh,
1: I also, because we've made, uh, because we've talked about uh, economy in Star Trek before, I also wanted to bring up the stupidity of having an entire race of people who make one thing. To sell to one one people.
0: Well, you know, they're following the George Lucas philosophy, which is one planet does one thing. One planet has one climate and does one thing.
1: Desert crime world. Yep. Ice world. Exactly. I'm sure, uh, I'm sure Evil World at one point. Yeah, probably. Basically, the, uh, Super Mario approach to worlds.
0: <laughs> or, uh, alternately, um, the, you know, the thought is, well, once you're a drug dealer, you really don't need to develop any other skills.
1: I guess that's I mean, true. think of drug
0: dealers you've known. Have they, if they, if drug dealing dried up for them, if they got arrested or whatever, what else could they do? Do they have any other, you know, marketable skills, or is that pretty much it?
1: Well, I mean, the one I knew could always go back to the, uh, to his job of, uh, killing women.
0: Yeah. See, that's. Well,
1: wow, that went dark.
0: <laughs> I don't, I mean, you know, Tasha is from the killing women planet, but, uh. That's true. So those do exist. Yep. Right. Yeah, not, not good, but, you know. I kinda, I was thinking maybe, you know, maybe they could come back and see how these planets develop, but I don't care. I don't think I want them nope. to do that. In fact, Picard at the end says, I don't care. Just get us out of here. Please just go away. Because he's like, uh, Mr. LaForge, set a course away from here. And Jordy's like, where? I don't care. Anywhere.
1: Actually, and I like Jordy's like... Uh, they, oh, they give him a great know, little like, like some... yeah, I'd love to go here. That's just like, why are we going there? I've never been there before. Yeah.
0: No, actually he said we've never like, been there before, which means... Like, yeah, we've
1: never been there he before. He wants
0: like, cool. I, I, Because they've, the, they've given him that command a couple of times. Like, just go somewhere. And I feel like, okay, yeah. well, if they're going to keep saying that, I'm going to make a list. <laughs> He's just got a list of places to go if Picard ever says, take us wherever you like.
1: have been back to Rigel like 18 times. <laughs> well,
0: in fairness, there are like 19 Rigels.
1: That's true. I, <laughs> There's just not enough time to see them all.
0: <laughs> I also feel like 22 short films about Rigel. <laughs> That's right. I, I also feel like Sulu probably had a same, the same list because he also would be told, you know, indulge yourself or yep. whatever. So, alright, we're going here this week. Back to Ryza. It's <laughs> uh, like, I'm fine thing? with that. Yeah, alright then. Any further business? with uh,
1: No, I think we can just move on to my quote.
0: Very well, what is your quote? I
1: went with the uh, the Ann uh at the beginning and their complete un- misunderstanding of how their ship works. Captain, we're beaming over to replacement coil. That's
0: great. And that'll fix us up. Yes, once it's installed.
1: Right. And how
0: do we do that? What's the matter with these people? <laughs> there's, there's a lot of Dave's not here going on Just like,
1: on there. what? Oh. Huh? Huh?
0: Wow, man. <laughs> Dave? What?
1: Dave's not here. No, man.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. No, I enjoy. And, and again, that's that's like they play it for comedy, but it's still sort of we don't know what drugs are really like. Yep. Here's some broad caricature of a stoner. Deal with that. Enjoy
1: it, old man. <laughs> so mm. there's that.
0: Uh, so yeah, any any further any new business things to say about these two episodes? No,
1: I think we can get done with these and move on to something next week where something at least pretty interesting happens.
0: <laughs> Well, a couple of a couple of quick things. Um, there was a there's an article this week that made the rounds about uh, some company has offered ten million dollars to a person to invent a working medical tricorder.
1: Oh yeah, I saw that. That's cool.
0: Yeah, which is very cool. Uh, I really don't have anything further to say about that. I just uh, we'll we'll give you a link to that because it's a neat <laughs> idea.
1: If any of our listeners is working on one at home, you know, let us know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We, we won't, you know, we don't, we don't think we deserve any of that money or anything. We just think it would be cool to say we know the guy who invented the truck. Yeah,
1: that'd be good publicity for the show.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and the other thing was the uh, the casting news this week was that they've cast a couple of people for the movie. They have? Uh, <laughs> the delightfully named Benedict Cumberbatch, um, the, <laughs> the guy who plays Sherlock in the British Sherlock show, among yep, many many, many which other is, things. He
1: is excellent in it.
0: Yeah, and he'll be the villain. Yep. So they've definitely confirmed that he's playing the bat. And guy. also
1: the owner of the most British name ever. Oh my God, Willikins, I want from now on. I want
0: you to call me Benedict
1: Cumberbatch.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah. and then also they they cast uh, Mickey from uh, Doctor Who, um, Rose's boyfriend. Oh sure. The, the guy who they called the Tin Dog. <gasps> But, uh, no, it, that's, he's, I, I haven't seen him in anything but Doctor Who, but I liked him yeah. in that. So, uh, that should be good. And I thought there was another one, but I can't think of, oh, Peter Weller's in it. Uh, Robocop. Oh! Really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who he plays, but, uh, the, he, play, the, the he cast plays He plays really good. Well, obviously. Uh, the, the cast is shaping up to be quite yeah. nice, which is good. Like, I like, The J.J. Abrams sometimes will cast really famous people, sometimes he'll cast people lesser known. Like it seems like he's going after the right people for the job rather than just big names, which is good. Yes. Because while Benedict Cumberbatch is in one sense a big name, on the other hand it's not exactly a stupid
1: name. Yes.
0: (laughs) Speak for yourself, I think it's awesome. (laughs) But no, that's good. Um our friends over at the uh, Girls with Glasses Talk Tolkien podcast recently did a show uh, basically just about the uh, the trailer for the new Hobbit movie. And I feel like, um, you know, that's a great idea when, when the trailer finally drops for the new Star Trek movie. I feel like we should just do a one-off episode on that. Yeah, I agree. Because I think we're going to have a lot to say about it, and I think it'll be fun to, you know, it's, it's rare that we have something new to get excited about. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm it would be, be fun to do an episode where we just just geek out over it.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be really interested to see how they do the trailer this time around. Cause yeah, now that they are on fool record as yeah. uh, as viewing the uh, original fake Trek trailer as terrible. Well, they
0: marketed it to the wrong
1: people, or they did.
0: maybe that's why they got more people interested. I'll give them credit for you know getting mm-hmm. a lot of people interestar- interested into Star Trek that weren't before. Right. Maybe that's how they did it. Maybe they got the people who thought they were just watching a big dumb action movie and said, oh, this is pretty good.
1: Uh, I don't know if that trick
0: will work again, though.
1: Nah, we'll see.
0: Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, The other thing that's going on right now that I think is is good and I think you agree with me is the uh, the IDW uh, ongoing Star Trek comic.
1: Oh, yes, I do agree with you on that.
0: Which is based in the movie continuity. It takes place between the first movie and the forthcoming second movie. Apparently they're going to start dropping hints in their like little planting seeds for the story. Yeah, they've
1: got uh, they've got the screenwriters working on it now. So yeah, and
0: th- what they're doing at the moment is retelling original series episodes in the new status quo. And there's enough different in the movie, you know, in in the things that the movie did, where the stories go in different directions. They start out in familiar ground and they go different ways, and it's very cool.
1: Yeah, they recently just finished up the Galileo Seven which started out as almost a straight adaptation of that episode, and then... Yeah, it was a two-issue
0: adaptation. The first one was kind of like a, this is just the same story, but then... Yeah, Yeah.
1: but then it completely veers off, and it's actually really cool.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was. I did not see that coming, and that was great. And apparently they're going to do one more adaptation, and then they're going to do a couple of original stories, which is cool. Yep. So it'll be nice to see. And the likeness, like, they got the likenesses, so, like... Kirk looks like Chris Pine and Scotty yep. looks like Simon Pegg which is nice and uh, it's
1: like and they look like themselves without looking completely photo referenced.
0: No, the art is great. Which the I hate a in bit uh, cartoony. like
1: adaptations.
0: Yeah, I agree. No, this is this is the best of all worlds as far as like I'm not licensed comics are more miss than hit for me. So yep. it was a nice surprise especially Star Trek comics. I've read a handful of good Star Trek comics and a lot of bad ones over the years. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see this working out but uh as far as new Star Trek stuff to get excited about, this is definitely something that can not exactly tide you over to the new movie, but it's it's fun to look at
1: anyway. It's something.
0: It is, and it's good. Yeah. We recommend it. So, All right. So stamps of next...
1: Nintendo seal approval on that one.
0: Yes, and uh, once again, the post-atomic horror power uh, podcast of the year is the post-atomic horror. <laughs> <laughs> Who saw that coming? I'm um, shocked. So, um, as we have hinted at, uh, Tashiar is not long for this world. Next week, we will be sending her off uh, with the help of our pal Flonk. Yep. Um, the following week, we will be joined by another friend of ours, Adrian, whom you've not heard on this show before yet. He's a fun guy. He should be fun. And that will be the end of season one. So, uh, just about through the worst of it here. So, Yep. That's good. I know there's some good, particularly good episodes coming in season two. There's still some crap. But there's also some really good high points, so we're we're almost to the good stuff yep and but if you enjoy watching us suffer there there'll be plenty of that too
1: right? Then you are in luck,
0: yeah, all right, so that is all from us, and Matt, say your thing, say you, folks. The Post Atomic Horror Podcast is a co production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.